0: Welcome, welcome, you're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark, I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I've got a Facebook Live going on, gonna extract the audio from this. When we're done, throw this up on a podcast for you guys, and I've been excited about this for a while. Our guest today is from the States, his name is Scott. I've been trying to get this, you're a busy guy. I've been trying to get this guy to come on our podcast for quite a while. Um, I've been following the stuff that he does. He's really into coaching and mentoring. He's got his own clinic. He does courses. He's got books. This guy does it all. This is stuff that we don't have north of the border, man. Massage therapists, we don't, we don't think like this up here. And I really dig what you do because I'm into the business aspect of it. And I think everyone should be. So, uh, Scott, why don't you, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey, what's going on guys? Uh, My name is Scott Lindquist. And like Mark was saying, I'm just basically a clinic owner first. I mean, really, my whole dream was to start a medical massage clinic and it was going to be the first one in the Omaha area. It's uh, Omaha, Nebraska here in the United States. And you guys got it a little bit differently up there where it's, you know, it's a little bit more on the medical side of things already. But uh, here, it's not necessarily like that, and certainly not in the Midwest, right? Midwest is a very conservative region. You know, people were still looking at massages as something that, you know, it's a the rich cruise ship luxury right. type thing, either that or, you know, a lot of World War II veterans that basically the, their idea of a massage was getting a hand job yeah, in yeah, Thailand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to, and so I had to fight those those uh, standards or those thoughts And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bust this out. I'm going to come out with a clinic where it's our number one thing is this is not a day spa. We focus 100% on pain problems, you know, chronic pain, long-term issues that you go to a chiropractor for that it didn't fix. And it did extremely well. The, the, The area received it know, it's funny because a lot of the people would say, this is what I've been looking for all along. Like, this is why I needed to get a massage. Like, I never wanted to go to a day spa. I never wanted the oils and the aromatherapy and all that stuff. Like, that's not what they were wanting in this region. And it just kind of blew up and things went really well. So I got on the forums and next thing you know, I started seeing on Facebook, like all of these people struggling. And I found out that the the average massage therapist earns uh, here in the States, It's it's like, Thirty thousand. It's between twenty four and thirty six thousand, depending on which side right. you believe. And I saw that, and I'm like, Jesus! I'm like, it's unbelievable. And I started looking through the forums and being really active on all the groups on Facebook, and seeing just all the limiting beliefs. And, and a lot of them are the same limiting beliefs that my teachers in massage school tried to push onto me. And luckily for me, I've just been the type of person my whole life who's never really listened to authority. But I understand that the majority of people aren't like that. And I see this huge Mm -hmm. problem that's getting pushed out from the educational system, from the schools, and it's being perpetuated on the online forums by quote unquote veteran therapists who haven't got what the times to be truthful. I know you and I have talked about that previously. So that that's kind of, you know, and so I got into the education business because mainly out of just because it has to be done, like someone has to do it. And there are other people that are, are shifting these mindsets and getting rid of some of these limiting beliefs, giving therapists you know better tools to to be successful in practice. But my intention was always to to spearhead that. Model. Right on, man. I,
0: I'm I'm a big fan. It's like it's like a disruption model. It's like throw a grenade into it, and and let's and seriously. I mean, <laughs> disruption models work, right? I mean, look at Uber. Yep they they've killed the taxi industry it's a disruption model right really. look at look at netflix netflix drove blockbuster out of business it's a complete disruption model <laughs> right so tell totally. us a little bit about um tell us a little bit about the coaching that you do because i'm a, I'm a big fan of the coaching because like i said we don't have a lot of people that are doing massage therapy business coaching in canada at least not that i've seen.
1: right sure um, you know, it's funny because this the, the term coach actually kind of got pressed upon me. Like my, my original intention was to reach as many therapists as possible. And I thought, okay, well, it's kind of like if when you own your own clinic, right? You're, you're running a massage clinic. You're only going to be able to see, depending on who you are, three to, to ten people right. per day, right? Like you're only going to be able to do so much because you're trading your time exactly. for money. And so my intention was, okay, how can I replicate this? And so what I decided to do was initially get into the online courses because I thought, okay, well, this is a way that instead of answering the same questions over and over and over on the forums like I'd been doing for about six months, I thought, why the hell don't I just make a course that answers all these questions and then the people that really want to know the answer – can invest in themselves and actually get it done, uh, get all the information and, and, and a game plan and make it happen for themselves. Right. And, and so I, it's funny because I always looked at coaching almost as like a scam game. It was almost like, cause a lot of these here, here's the, the reason I say that is when you start advertising that you, you do online courses or whatever, Facebook recognizes that. And so what do they do? They start showing yep. you ads of all these people, oh, how I made a million dollars last week on closing this many coaching clients, right? Like it's just pyramid types where it's it's just massive, quote-unquote, selling the dream type businesses. And it's like make, make $400,000 a year as a life coach and all these different – so I get all these ads and just get inundated with these things. And I was like I wanted to distance myself mm-hmm. from that word And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to be a coach. Like, I don't want to be known as that. But it's funny because then I actually got so many requests where it was like, hey, do you do private coaching? Do you do one-on-one sessions? And I was like, no. (laughs) You know, and so I'm turning away all this (laughs) because I had this romantic notion. Well, I guess it would be a notorious notion of what a coach was, not what a coach could be. And so I was like, okay, wait a second. Like, you know what? Why the hell am I not? Uh, I'm turning away these people. They they can't afford like my rebooking mastery program which is five hundred nineteen dollars you know they they they're at the stage right now where they can't afford it but they still need some help and I'm like turning these people away because I don't want to like be something that is perceived as sleazy or whatever but then I thought you know to hell with that like my intention was to help as many people as possible so I limit my time and limit the amount of clients that I actually take on as coaching clients but. I do offer private, you know, private sessions via like Zoom and, and video mm-hmm. chat and whatnot, screen share stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I do do that. Uh, but my number one thing has always been to be an educator, to, to change the game. Because, you know, as working one-on-one with people, you can actually achieve really great significance for one right. person. But like I talked about earlier, man, your time is so limited and that's our most valuable commodity and it's like you know what i've got to i've got to continue to push more into the the outreach of courses because you can reach just so many more people and have so
0: much more for feedback. sure for sure and it's like that's a, that's one of the i mean your whole thing is based on this right that's one thing that i think a lot of therapists they can't wrap their head around you know it's like the 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 hours for dollars like they're they're so in tune with you know i got to work this much i got to work this much they don't think bigger and i think that's a huge right. huge mistake
1: definitely definitely it's you know it's funny and it's a mistake that i actually have made myself and am currently making like i still only charge 73 dollars an hour for my personal sessions everyone's like oh scott you got to raise your personal mm-hmm. rates and cuz i have other therapists that work with me and everyone's like oh no you got to set yourself apart or whatever and i just i don't really like the idea of doing that so i never have i just significantly cut my hours and my availability and said you know what I'll do two sessions in the morning or two sessions in the afternoon, and the rest of it I'm focusing on either the business or I'm focusing on my education. Yeah, yeah. So, give me the background. Like, how
0: did you even get into massage therapy?
1: Truth be told, you know, when I was a kid, my mom had pretty significant back pain and she would have constant complaints. and, And it got to the point where she was actually having me give her massages, like to rub her feet, to rub her low back, to rub her legs. You know, whatever, for like ice cream or, you know, <laughs> now that I look back at it, it was, it was like slave labor. But I mean, <laughs> and so, but, you know, that that's kind of how I, you know, and after doing that for so long, and then it got to the point where, you know, I was, what, 16 to 18 or something like that. And, you know, any girlfriend I had ever had. They had always told me, oh, my God, you give the best mm-hmm. massages. You're a natural, right? It's a it's a <laughs> different talent. It's a gift. When really, I'd just been doing the shit since yeah. I was a kid, Like, I, since I was a tiny kid. It, you, it's like the gymnasts, man. They start them when they're like four years old. Of course, they're in the Olympics because they've been yeah, doing it every yeah. day, right? Uh, anyway, I was conditioned to be a massage service, really. And it got to the point where I was like 19, and I was a pizza delivery driver, best job I've <laughs> ever had. Um Cause it was just the freedom, man, the freedom. Um But anyway, and I'm like, Oh my God, I, I met a woman that I fell in love with and I'm like, Oh my God, I got to do something with my life. Like, what the hell am I going to do? You know, I wasn't going to college cause I didn't really believe in like that yeah. whole route. And then she, I don't know who, I don't know how it came up, but it was just like, you know, why don't you do this? I think it might've been her idea really. And I was like, well, that's a great idea. I'm like, why don't I just go get my massage degree or whatever and I can make like $30, $40 an hour while I'm going to school for whatever it is that I'm actually going to mm-hmm. be doing. And I had always loved anatomy and everything. And so once I got into school and actually got a little bit exposed to that, there was actually a medical side to this that you can actually benefit people. I was like, okay, I'm. that's what I want to do. Like I want to, I, I don't want to just like work on people once a month that want to pamper themselves or whatever. I want to work on people that need it, that I can make a significant difference. And you know ever since then ever since school it was just like okay i'm i'm all in on this medical side of things even in clinic you know you're you're supposed to do hour long full body sessions that little routine that they yep. teach you i did about 4 of those and i'm like you know what like screw this i would ask the client like what do you need done and then sure enough they never needed a full body they they never wanted mm-hmm. a full body and so i was like all right so i just i got in trouble <laughs> for for doing only Certain, you know, because because they had they wanted to uphold their standard. You know, we got to make sure that all of our students come out with this great full body massage. I'm like, nah. that's so. I started lying to them and telling them that I was going to do it, and I just did what the client needed. I mean, that's a, a novel idea, I know, but you know, use. <laughs> Good God, give people what they actually want. I like wow. it because you're a rule breaker. I'm a fan of rule no
0: man, I'm a fan of rule breakers. Like if you wanna bust down walls and you Fair. want and you want you wanna grow you know what? Strategically breaking the rules goes a long way. Tell me about your rule breaking. I love how the student clinic was a rule break. Give me some other rule breaks that you've been doing that's been leading to all the success that you've been having.
1: Oh, man. I mean, you know what's funny? Actually, in the World Massage Festival over in Vegas this year, I taught a class called Boost Your Practice Fast. And the entire theme around that class is breaking rules. Like the, from from the very introduction... I go into about rule breaking and I point out examples like with Donald Trump, how he broke all the rules and he won, how Obama broke all the rules mm-hmm. and he won. You know what I mean? And, and it, it, rule breaking, I mean, if you want to talk about rules, I mean, shit, I've been – I broke every rule since – in kindergarten, I was in trouble because I was spitting on the floor or throwing shit or convincing other kids to throw shit at other <laughs> I mean it was like I was always in trouble and and there was always this feeling of I didn't want people to tell me what to do like my own father it it was like I got in so many arguments had a miserable childhood and not because he he wasn't an alcoholic he wasn't an abusive you know person by nature but I would push to the limits I would I wouldn't listen you know what I mean and I and everyone and they, they always thought that was the worst thing about me was that I wouldn't listen to them that I wouldn't follow the rules that I get in trouble at school. And the thing that I don't think they understand is those are the people in especially in American culture, I'm not sure how it is up there. I'm sure it's probably similar to be honest, because it, it, the people who zig, uh, who zag when everybody else is zigging, those are the people that ultimately end up winning. <laughs> and so like so what rules have I bro- I mean, I've broken every rule since I mean, I would skip I set the set the record in high school for the the, the highest amount of truancy. <laughs> But I still graduated with a three point one because I realized that I could ace tests, but I hated showing up to class and I hated doing homework. Right on. And so, and if there's anything people can learn from that, it's not necessarily me saying, "Oh, I'm a genius. I'm not. I'm not that smart. I'm good at memorizing shit and looking, learning patterns." But the thing that people can learn from that is if you you got to figure out your own way to do things and you got disregard every rule out there because those rules are set up. To keep you in a box because from the minute we're born, think about it this way from the minute we're born, we're conditioned by our parents of how to act, how to behave. You know, you're in a store when you're three years old, you're throwing a fit or you're doing something. Don't, 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 don't cause a scene. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't, you know, don't do that. Don't do this. They start putting you in that box immediately because they don't want you to embarrass them out in public, right? So that's the first thing. Then you go to school. What do they do? They sit you in a damn box. At a box, and and, and what does everyone have to do? If you want to speak, you got to raise your hand. If you want to go take a piss, you got to raise your hand and wait for an authority to call on you. Everything is designed for for you to have to ask permission, for you to have to go – for basically do what everybody tells you to do and follow all the rules. And anybody who is outside of that – see, think about it this way. You're not supposed to talk in class, Right. Because you don't want to – they call it disrupting Mm -hmm. class if you're talking outside when the teacher's talking. So what do they do? They don't want you to draw attention to yourself because the attention is supposed to be on the teacher. But guess what? When you disrupt the class and you get in trouble, what do they do? They write your fucking name on the board. (laughs) So they're all the classes looking at you, right? So so what happens there? The people that are looking for that attention, the people that crave that and and want that recognition – it starts to pigeonhole them into the "quote unquote" being bad mm-hmm. kids, and so, so you're in this box. And then you know what happens all the way through high school. They indoctrinate you over and over. Listen to authority. Follow the rules. Do what you're told. Stand in line. Wait your turn. Speak when spoken to. Don't you know? Don't act up. Don't draw attention to yourself. So it's just beat into our head for 12 years. And next thing you know, now what do you do? You, oh, go to college because everybody right. else does. Right, you can you can borrow a shitload of money from the government, but you forgot that you got to pay it back. It's a loan, not free. So now here you are, you're indebted. What do you do next? You go to the next box where you get your job, where everybody's telling you, your boss telling you what to do. Right? You got to go to the bathroom. You got to raise your hand, ask your boss. Right? It's the same. It's the same cycle. So the bottom line is, we have been conditioned to follow the rules since the minute yes, we were sir. born. All these rules that were set up by somebody else. Most of the time, who we've never even met, and they were set up for, number one, to control you. Number two, to well, to basically to keep you in their box, but also to control, to keep order, right? Because if you're a teacher and you got 26 kids in a room, how the hell are you going to maintain order in that room? There has to be rules. I understand that. But the problem is we take it to an extreme. And now when we're adults, we still abide by those same damn rules that were meant mm-hmm. for kids. Stand in line. Don't cut. Wait your turn. You know, Don't draw too much attention to yourself. Don't brag. Be humble. And this is a terrible one in the massage industry. Be humble, right? No. Why the hell would you be humble? Humble people do not change the world. And people talk about Mother Teresa Mahatma Gandhi. The thing people don't say about Mother Teresa is, do you have any idea how much money that woman raised? You don't raise that kind of money by not having your personality shine out, by not drawing attention to yourself. For sure. You see what I'm saying? So, like, anyway, I uh, got off on a little tangent there, but basically, what rules have I been breaking? I mean, literally every rule, and that's not because I'm some rebel. That's just because that's the way I was born, man. Like, I hated authority. I hated it. I I'm with
0: you on it. that. I, I can't, I, I, I can't march to the beat of someone else's drum. I don't like being told what to do. Um, I, I, I like to think that I can. I, I have great ideas, and I like the freedom to run with it. I heard a quote once, and it's always stuck with me. Rules are just helpful guidelines for stupid people who can't make up their minds. (laughs) That's brilliant. And that has sat with me from the first time I heard it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not a stupid guy. I can make up my own mind. And, you know, there's there's a certain amount of rule breaking that I think needs to be there to create the success that you want if you want it. 100%. Right on, brother.
1: Well, I love that. Oh, I was going to say, man, and, and it shines through because I've watched several of your other episodes. And, well, first of all, I have to say, dude, you were born for radio. Like you're, I was showing my best friend. My best friend is actually the guy that I'm hiring for my upcoming – for yeah. my project. And uh, I was showing him your podcast. I'm like, dude, you got to hear this dude's voice. I put you on. And he goes – he looks up. He goes, holy shit. He's like, that dude needs to be like a newscaster on <laughs> CNN or something. I'm like, I know it, man. This dude was born for broadcast." Like you're – so I love that. I can totally tell even in like within the questions that you've asked other guests like that you're not – that you're going by beating the beat of your own drum. Totally. Exactly what you say. I love it, man. And that's one of the main reasons I want to come on this show. Right on, brother.
0: Like um, Tell me a little bit then about some of the cool things that you got coming up. You were you were mentioning to me off mic about some of the projects you have going on and, and some of the cool engagements you have set up.
1: Right. Um. Well, the first thing is I'm still waiting on that, uh, that boost your practice fast. It was a four-hour class. I'm waiting on the editing to come back from that, uh, and I'm going to be transitioning that over into a live – online or not live, but an online course that people can purchase. So, uh, But that's kind of out of my hands. That's in the editor's hands. Um, the big thing that I'm working on right now is I'm, I'm, we're going to be releasing a live show. Uh, it's going to be live on Facebook. It's going to be a call-in show. We're going to do interviews. We're going to do question and answer, like kind of you know, tid like like five minute coaching sessions yeah. type things where people call in and ask advice. Like I don't know what was that name, Dear Susan or whatever <laughs> they used, back when people used to call and cry about their relationships. But now this will be about the more the business or success aspects of massage, or even maybe technique advice. Um, but it's going to be a live show on Facebook. We're going to put it out to YouTube and so people can watch replays. And also on all the podcast channels. But uh, I'm super excited about this because we're bringing in technology that you don't even see on like the professional people doing shows. Like like the the people that do the biggest shows like Grant Cardone and some of the other big names that have live shows yep. that they do. We're doing stuff that they aren't even doing. And it's going to be phenomenal because – um, the funny thing is, is a lot of, a lot of the tech that we're using, we actually got from the video game space, like Twitch streamers yep. and whatnot. And some of the stuff that they do, like it's just light years ahead of what a lot of these quote unquote business gurus are doing. And so we're combining a little bit of that so we can add a little bit more playfulness. We can add a little bit more humor. Um, and, and trying to trying to really just nail down what therapists want to hear. Um, if anybody has a suggestion, anybody any listeners, I would love to hear what would make you want to tune in every week. Uh, you can email me at scott at and I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the big project, and we hope to have that released here either before or just after the first of right the on. year. Um, so yeah, that, that's the biggest thing, and we're putting a ton of time and a lot of money into that, but uh, I think it's something that the massage industry really needs. Is something uh, an actual video show on Facebook that's a little bit more interactive than a lot of the even like the content that I've been putting out. It's just a lot of a lot of videos, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that the interactive aspect, I, I'm hoping that that's going to be something that people really will benefit from.
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: You know what? I also I want I wanted to speak about.
0: I wanted to because again, like I I haven't seen a lot of it north of the border where I am. With uh massage business, like we 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 have the other half of what we do at Miss, uh two massage therapists and microphone, we have a continuing education company. It's called Conant Institute and one of one of yep, the first courses it. that we ever developed was like an RMT business seminar a registered massage therapy business seminar and it's gone through some changes it's evolved over the years and now it's it's turned into something mm-hmm. called um um healthcare business entrepreneurship but there's not a lot of stuff like this that's or, happening you know at, at least that I'm seeing and so uh, can you can you give us an idea of some of the stuff that you do at the massage therapy success academy
1: well i mean as far as what i do personally my what i'm most well known for and uh it's kind of funny because tim uh, over at uh, the global wellness professional summit tim cooper uh, an australian guy he's cool as hell he actually introduced me on that as the godfather of rebooking which i thought was awesome i'm like man i hope that sticks <laughs> and so i'm just gonna keep saying that myself and try to make it stick but uh the, the thing I'm most well known for is my course called Rebooking Mastery. And basically what that is, is it's a five-hour online course approved by the NCBTMB, And what it does is it takes a person for, through all the psychology of what it takes to, to bring in a new client and then convert them onto an actual therapy mm-hmm. plan. And the reason I wanted to focus on that first, that was the first course I ever made. And the reason is because I feel like that is the, the biggest miss. In massage education especially when it comes to business i feel like therapists they don't know what to say they don't know how to say it they don't know when to say it and so my biggest thing was and it's funny because if you ask 10 therapists how are you at rebooking oh i'm great at rebooking oh i'm awesome at rebooking because it's a pride thing right but then they'll turn around and they'll say well i just need new clients right i need more new clients well, the thing is, you don't need more new clients if you're awesome at rebooking. And that was the reason that I started with that, is because it is the cheapest, fastest, and most effective way to build a business. If you can learn to get, take one new client and turn them into 10 sessions in a month versus trying to get 10 new clients and go once mm-hmm. a month, it is so much cheaper. It is so much easier, and it's so much faster. For sure. And so I wanted to start with that, and basically, the big thing is all the – and it's funny because a lot of the psychology is actually – a lot of the limits and the blocks to doing that are in the therapist, and I never really had to think about that until I was actually drawing out the course because when I draw out a course, I I, I think about – I ask myself like, what the student objections would be so that I can help them overcome them. And a lot of the biggest issues that I found were actually mental blocks within the actual massage therapist where it would be like clients can't afford it. You know, clients don't need it, which I'm sure up there in Canada, you guys probably are a little bit more aware that they do need multiple sessions. But down here, we've got a lot of hocus pocus where people think that they're magicians, right? That they oh no, my modality. Oh, man, I'm so gifted. I'm such a healer that I can heal a person in one (laughs) session, right? Like you get a lot of that down here and you're just like, oh my God. But so, you know, um, so you got to get them past a lot of these psychological limiting beliefs. And I think there's like 13 of them that I actually identified and, and counteracted and explained away basically. But, uh, and then we move into what's called the Holy Trinity of rebooking. And what that is, is that's, Anytime a new client comes to any service industry, I don't care if it's a dentist, a hairstylist, or whatever, they they have three questions in their subconscious mind. It's do I like this person? Does the information make sense? And am I compelled to take action? And if you can get a yes out of all three of those basic questions, they're gonna rebook right there on mm-hmm. the spot. Or or buy into whatever plan that you're you're offering. You know what I mean? And so the 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 Holy Trinity of rebooking it basically breaks down consumer psychology and client psychology, how, what they're going through, what they're thinking, and how you can get a yes out of all those questions easily. Um, And then it goes through what's called the natural rebooking process, which there's five phases, and it shows you how to structure your session naturally so that at the end of it, there's not that awkward, oh, do you want to set up your next session? You know what I mean? like, And that's – you see nine times out of ten on the forums when people say, well, how do you get somebody to rebook? How do I improve my rebooking rate? Everybody's favorite answer. At the end of the session, always ask if they'd like to rebook. Man, if you're waiting till the end of the session to ask, you already failed, Damn. especially if you're trying to sell an actual therapy plan or a protocol. Like that. the selling is to be done actually throughout the entire session. So that by the end of the session, they already are on board, sure. and there is no awkward moment, right? Like if you think back to any date you've been on, like think of a think of a first date that you went on, and if <laughs> you waited to the end of the night to kiss her, that's awkward as shit, right? You're staying like it's like the typical thing where in the fifties where the dude's walking her home and they're standing in front of her door and he leans in for a kiss, it's awkward <laughs> as hell. It's the same thing there, man. I'm like, laughing. But then you contrast I'm laughing because <laughs> you, you,
0: be- I, 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 you you've seen wedding crashers right and oh, that yeah, one yeah. scene when Vince Vaughn is talking to, I guess, his receptionist or his office administrator, and you know he's talking about you know going on a blind date, and that moment at the end, what is, what are we doing here? Are we going to make out? Are we going to kiss? What are we going to do? That? The the the, <laughs> the ass hug, you know, I want to get in close but not too close. That <laughs> awkward moment, I
1: totally get it. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> and so, but how do you avoid that? So then you look at a date that went really, really well, and what happened? You guys are out, you're having fun. You know, you're probably sitting next to each other. The touching escalates, right? Like you might touch her on the shoulder, tease her a little bit. You might put her, put your hand around her arms and then kind of – it's like a push-pull yep. type of thing, right? You guys are a little bit more active. And then all of a sudden, what happens? The kiss just happens like out – when you're out having drinks or when you're out doing yeah. on a walk it doesn't happen it happens naturally during the date and it's the same thing if you can take that same process and apply that toward rebooking i know i'm going to i get a lot of static because they're like are you really relating a date and kissing and having sex to a massage no it's a metaphor so like understand that it's an an analogy right like but the but the the point is the same you're dealing with human relationships That's right. You're dealing with human relationships because you're forming a relationship with this person. It's just the outcome. The intended outcome is different. The outcome isn't to, to have sex. The outcome is to get them to rebook. Right? Like it's it's a sale mm-hmm. in a way. And so if people, people take the connotations out, they could see that by that example, holy shit, that actually makes sense. So what you do is you structure your massage in a way that you can avoid that awkward BS at the end. Oh for
0: sure. You know, it's it's just understanding kind of the human condition and sometimes how we're hardwired to respond to certain things a certain way. And if you can if you can tap into that and understand the psychology, the mindset of the consumer at that moment then you know you can work your magic and manipulate it any way you want.
1: Yes. Awesome. And so that's the that's the biggest thing I'm known for. Um I've also got an ads course where it's uh it teaches therapists how to work Facebook ads and how to actually create a winning ad campaign and then like how to scale it, how to when to cut it, you know, cuz a lot of times you'll come up with the loser ad that doesn't perform. You got to know, okay, well what are the what are the standards that I should go by to actually cut this thing before I dump 400 bucks into it and not get a single client? So I've got a course that walks through and shows kind of behind the scenes of all of my most successful campaigns. And it shows like examples of the therapists have sent me themselves Uh, of failed campaigns and I kind of break through, okay, well here's what they did wrong sort of thing. So yeah, that's been, that's been a really big hit. A lot of people have gotten really good results with that. Uh, and then I've got rebooking 101, which is a very basic intro to rebooking and it's, uh, it's only 49 bucks, but I mean, it's, it's very basic. It gets you in the right mind state on why you need to rebook, but it also gives you three concrete actions that you can take to work toward rebooking, uh, to, and when I say rebooking, I mean getting people onto multi-session therapy mm-hmm. plans. So yeah, th- that's the the biggest things I'm offering. I I love what you do, man, because it's it's so
0: business oriented, and I, it's such a big pull. Like it needs to be that way. And and I think that I can see how you get blowback on it because you know you're a massage therapist. <laughs> you're supposed to be there to help people. You know that should be your number one mm-hmm. priority. But you know what? I I love the way you say it. Like, you know, my opportunity to help people is going to come from my business success. If I don't have the business success, I won't be here to have my doors open
1: to help people. 100%, man. And even a step further, I won't be here to provide jobs for other massage therapists to help even more people in the community. I like it. I like it. I won't be here to teach other therapists around the world. Which will help even more clients around the world, right? So I mean, and how how does that happen? It happens with money. Because if I didn't have the money to actually advertise my videos, to advertise my courses, I wouldn't be able to 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 touch therapists in like Lima, Peru. You know, I've got a lot of actual. You know, I've got a lot of students up in Canada, Australia. Like I wouldn't have ever been able to number one meet them, number two serve them and help them serve their communities better. Had I not had the money to actually advertise and disposable income to say you know what i can spend 500 bucks on facebook ads because i don't give a shit. If right. it. Exactly. It doesn't matter. And if i'm not and that's a small example of how financial success helps you have a bigger impact on the world. So people that sit there and they say i'm not in it for the money. Oh, that's greedy. You know, why be greedy? Man, be greedy because in the end you're doing the most good. If you've provided for yourself in abundance and you have money to actually spend on other things to help other people.
0: Totally agree, brother. Totally agree.
1: Blows me away. I think it's small-minded and selfish of people that say, you know, when you try to teach them business skills and they're like, oh, I just want to show up and do massage and, and love what I do. Well, that's great. Like, good for you. But if you're not doing that. Don't bitch when your employer's taking over 50% of your income because guess what? Somebody has to be thinking about that stuff. Someone in that business has to plan for growth. They have to invest in marketing. They have to spend money for overhead. There is somebody in that company thinking about that shit and making those moves and those sacrifices and investments. And if it's not you, you're not going to be getting paid more than 50%. I'm sorry. You shouldn't even be getting paid 50% to be quite honest. From a business owner's standpoint, like the amount of hours that we spend sweating about this shit at night, and like adjusting Facebook ads and going over marketing and analyzing numbers, like it, it blows me away the the entitlement of some of these therapists. And then you turn around, and you want to teach them some business skills. Oh well, I'm not in it for the money. Well, are you in it to survive? Because like, (laughs) if you're going out on your own business, you know they call you an entrepreneur for a reason. Like you're a business person now. Once you get your own office, or once you sign an agreement to rent an office from a Cairo or a physio or whatever else, you're in business. So like, if you're playing a game, you might as well get good at it. Right, or at least get decent as at good it.
0: as you can get.
1: Because otherwise, the game's no I fun. I totally man. agree
0: with you. I totally
1: agree with the Godfather rebooking.
0: I'm, I'm gonna keep <laughs> that going for you.
1: <laughs> I love it, man. I love right it. Right on. So yeah, I mean, that's just it's crazy, and I and it's funny because I almost was worried about Canada because you guys. A lot of the therapists that come out of Canada, I hear a lot of times, you know, well, we are medical professionals. We're recognized by insurance. And I feel like a lot of times once you start getting the government involved in, in like third-party third party payer type situation, I started to get a little bit worried thinking, okay, well, they're going to think that they could just coast on that, right? Like it's like, well, I don't need to like get good at rebooking. I don't need to get good at like drawing in clients and advertising and marketing and selling myself because this is getting paid for and people will just come. Like maybe you could tell me a little bit more about the landscape up there and like how that. You know out. what it is.
0: I don't think people necessarily feel like they they recognize that like an extended healthcare company who pays probably about sixty percent or maybe more you know of for their for their massage therapy income because everyone's using their extended healthcare coverage. Um, I, I don't think that they they have that idea that I don't have to do the marketing or I don't have to do this because you know people aren't necessarily paying out of pocket for it. You know, it's someone that doesn't. Someone that doesn't do these things, they feel it and they feel it hard. You know, they sit in their clinic and no one's coming through the door. And then they're left going, I don't know what to do here. Right. So it's easily translatable right across um, everything that you're saying. And that's why I really wanted to get you on because I want to get. A lot of these people that that are are in you know in Canada or in the regulated provinces to understand like there's more to this than you know being the regulated healthcare professional. Yes, I get it, and it is all you know a complementary alternative medicine, but it's a business. Like right. this is what people are just like. It's you you are running a business, and if you're going to run a business, let's let's like you said, let's play to win on this. And there's no shame. There's no Absolutely. fucking shame in doing that at all.
1: One hundred percent, It's the it should be the opposite of shame like it's it's crazy we've entered this era to where rich people are shamed as if they're the villain or as if they're like the 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 always the bad guy and they're doing it at everybody's expense and and this is a thought that I really want to challenge is that the majority of rich people number one aren't mega multi billionaire millionaires right like the the majority of rich people, especially in America you're talking like 500,000 a year to a million a year. Those are not your third generation Rick Von Chiser the third, you know, inherited fucking bank money because his parents owned a bank in England or what, you know what I mean? We're not talking that kind of money. Like your 500,000 to a million dollars a year people, those are small business people that work their asses off. A lot of them are going to be doctors, dentists, chiropractors who who went to school, who invested into the school system, took huge risks, owned a ton of debt and now they're successful, right? Who who you don't get the $500, to 500,000 to a million dollars a year without employing other people, so they're providing mm-hmm. jobs. You don't get to that point without working your absolute ass off. There's just The majority of rich people in America are providing way more value to society than they take because they're providing jobs. They're providing a ton of services or or products for that money. you're, You're not talking hedge fund managers here, man. That is a super small percentage of the wealthy. And so there's been this huge idea recently that the rich people are demonized. And in America, they classify it, which, first of all, this is a joke. Anybody making over $250,000 is deemed rich and has to start paying more taxes. Like, those are not, those are not the people who are, quote-unquote, getting rich off the backs of average Americans. Like, that, those aren't the people who crashed our economy. You know what I mean? Like, you hear all these taglines. Those are people that are still probably in debt and working their ass off day in and day out at their jobs to achieve that kind of money for, for them. Sure. And so and so here's the th- my whole point with that was when you talked about uh that there's no shame in it. Absolutely like there there's been this flip. Like back in the day and, and when I say that I mean like in the like 20s and 30s before like a lot of the mass like clothing apparel companies and stuff came out. But um, back in the day in America, especially, they were all trades people. Like you, you, what would you do? You wouldn't – you would go to maybe a little bit of school. You wouldn't go to college. You'd learn a trade. You'd build a business and that was the American dream was like having your own mm-hmm. shop. You know what I mean? And it was like – and being more and more successful to where you can bring on other employees and teach them your trade. That was like the ultimate success. And so, but now you've got this, uh, all this movement where it's like, oh my God, the employer is the bad guy and there's shame. And, you know, every business owner is greedy and and looking at a, you know, looking at your bottom line and letting that determine your growth pattern. That's greedy. Right. And that's at everybody else's expense, man. This is coming from people who have no idea what it's like to own and run a business. Like they're perpetuating all these ideas and all this shame and all this negativity about shit that they've never done. And don't understand it. Blows my mind man. And it's such a shame. Because if they would just get rid of a little bit of that mentality. The things that they could do in business. Would exponentially skyrocket. And then they'd be the one providing jobs. If you don't like the job market. If you don't like the way employers. You know everyone down here bitches about massage envy. And how that's oh, it's slave labor. And how you know. Oh my god they're getting rich off the backs of massage therapists. Man if you don't like it build a better company and treat your people better but until you're in that position and understand that holy shit Massage Envy spends ten thousand dollars a month in advertising per location and ten thousand dollars in rent per location every month until you're in that position you don't know what the hell you're talking
0: about I actually loved the um the video that you did about Massage Envy and their advertising and how you know, a lot of massage therapists in the stage should actually be thanking them. Yes, can you give us a little, a, a little quick and dirty on that? Because I really enjoyed that video.
1: Thanks, man. Um. You know the thing about that is everybody complains that massage envy has ruined our industry that they've you know lowered wages and and that part might be true i think that i think what they did is they they standardized wages right like people understood they figured out firsthand what an actual pr- number one profitable wages for the business but also they figured out what therapists would actually mm-hmm. accept right so yeah, it is on the low end. I'm not saying, "Oh my god, it's a great job." I'm saying, "Yes, it's definitely on the low end, but what they did is they standardized it." So we know, massage therapists will not work for less than $15 an hour here in the states. Mm-hmm. We know this, right? Without fail. Because of them, first of all, because they've made mistakes and and figured out where where that bar is. Now, the other thing that they've done, the more important thing that they've done, is they have dumped I talked about their advertising budget not long ago. They have dumped so much money into the American public Educating them that massage therapy is number one, professional, that you're not getting back alley hand jobs. Number two, that it's actually safe and clean. I mean, all the sexual assault problems notwithstanding. But for the majority of the time, it's been like, that. okay, now it's a safe thing. It's perfectly acceptable. It's not just for the rich. It was priced for the average American. And so they exposed so many people to massage therapy. I can't tell you how many people have come through my clinic over the years and said, uh, I, I ask every client, one of our intake questions, have you ever had a massage before? Every time, well, you know, the majority of people, what they say, yeah, I went to a massage envy when I lived in Texas. Yeah, I went to a massage envy because I heard of them already. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They had brand recognition. These people who normally may not have ever ended up getting a massage knew about massage therapy as a thing for the common person because of massage envy because of all that money that they have dumped into our communities advertising for massage therapy. and so now all of us clinics now so so take it from a first client's perspective they go into massage It's their first massage ever their shoulder hurts they go get a massage full body massage right it's your it let's you say it's a therapist who just graduated from school they're doing that same routine that they tried to make me do and they do the full body massage. And now next thing you know, the client walks out. Yeah, that felt good, but my shoulder still kind of hurts. That wasn't really what I was looking for. So they go home. They Google online. They say, massage therapist, pain relief. Boom. Up pops the Muscle Medics, my clinic. And they see it. And then, then they go to the website. It says, we specialize in only pain relief. <laughs> blah baba, blah ba, 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 shoulder pain, and they go, holy shit, this is what I was looking for, and they call up, and then I ask them, "You ever seen a massage service? Well, oh, Yeah, what's a massage envy? I cannot tell you the countless amount of times that that has happened to me over, jeez, oh, over over the past at least you know ten years since I've opened the muscle mm-hmm. medics. It has happened so many times, it's unbelievable. So not only are they exposing people to massage, they're for, they're getting them to become an actual buyer of massage, and that's the big jump right like you can educate a market all you want but can you get that market to to take that leap and actually make that first purchase and become a purchaser of a certain service or good massage envy has done that they 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 opened up the market and that's why it allowed other franchises to come in yeah you see what i mean and so now we've got you know so many people calling our clinic, people calling all of our clinics across the country, across America, because Massage envy has done all this advertising and spent all that money. And as an aside, you know what's funny about this? is if you look at like our our associations here in the states, like the AMTA, the Mm NCBTM, right? Everybody's paying their yearly dues. And part of the thing, part of the agreement was always that that the AMTA would help quote unquote educate the public about massage. I would argue that the fact that Massage Envy is a for-profit business generating the type of revenue that they have and doing all of that marketing and spending all that money on marketing That they've educated the public 200 times more than any organization Mm -hmm. ever has. Because I've never once seen or heard or seen on Facebook or anything a commercial from the AMTA about the benefits of massage therapy. Never once. Massage therapists, don't complain about it.
0: Thank them is what you should be doing. You know, and we we have a chain here in, in Canada, it's called Massage Addict. I mean, they, they don't do like yep. crazy advertising stuff, but a lot of massage therapists actually, you know, really kind of look down on it because they do pay lower wages. And I recently did a podcast mm-hmm. about this. I mean, massage therapists don't don't get up in arms about, you know, massage addict and their low wages. You're the ones that are accepting it. You know, what I mean, you're the, if if no one's taking yep. the job to work there, they can't do this. So, you know, really, you you 100%. definitely have to look inward a little bit more about what you're what you're saying about the profession before you jump down anyone's throat about this kind of stuff,
1: dude. You're you're absolutely right. And the funny thing is, that when you talk about they agreed to work there, and, it, and you see this all the time on the forums, these people act like they didn't know what the starting <laughs> wage was. It's like it's like they didn't know that that's what they'd be making. It's like, why did you take that job if you already knew it wasn't enough money? Why would you ever agree to take the job? It blows my mind, man. And that's why I do what I do, really. like In my mission statement on my website, it says that I want to give therapists the tools that they need to be able to compete and and survive and thrive in a a situation where we've got massage MVs, where we've got chiropractors, where we've got all these other providers that are hiring massage therapists as an adjunct Mm -hmm. service. Like, I want therapists to be able to have the tools that they need to stand on their own and be able to compete with them. So, it's not necessarily an issue of just thanking Massage Envy. It's looking at them and saying, okay, wait a second. What have these people exactly. done right? What have they done right? What aspects of their business can I model my business after? Because obviously, something they've done has been successful. And the people who don't understand success are going to say, well, yeah, they pay their therapist super low and they are greedy. That's not what they mm-hmm. did to win. What they did to win was a combination of all the things that we've talked about and, and you know, other things as well. The membership model, they took a model that was successful in another industry, the gym industry, and they applied it to right. this industry. They're doing the exact same thing that I'm urging other therapists to do. Find something that's working, it's successful and model that, figure out how it applies to you and get creative. And,
0: apply and that's it. the thing that like, I be creative with it. Like this is where I, I love the idea yep. of break the rules. Do you know what I mean? Like, creativity is stifled when you're stuck in that box. And as soon as you can, as soon as you can break down the walls and you can start to breathe, then that's, then that's when the juices start to flow.
1: That's also when the haters start to flow, man, because next thing you know, you're doing something, you're getting all this attention and people are looking at you and they're like, what the hell is this person doing? Like they, that's not what "quote unquote" we do. You know, I've had so many people complain because, like, like even with my advertising, when I would say this is not a day spa, there is no <laughs> fluff here, and I I got hate mail from other therapists in my area saying how I was being derogatory, saying how I was arrogant, how I was this, and I'm like, look, you guys can say all you want. I'm not in business to make you happy. I'm in business to make to get the people that need what we offer. And I'm going to say that to them as clearly as possible, so that they don't waste a thousand dollars, you know, doing regular massage over and over and over and over. When what they needed was a site specific mm-hmm. massage. Like you're you're saving everybody time and money. Guess what? The people who want a full body massage, they're going to see my ad and instantly be turned exactly. off by it. And they're going to look for your business. It's actually a win win situation. But yet, if you look at it through the box, the old standard of Oh, don't disrespect your peers. Oh, don't be bold and say things that might, someone might take offense to. If you follow that rule, you're just another another of the same, yeah. man. When they Google and they look for a massage therapist, you see heavenly hands massage, artistic hands massage, <laughs> healing wellness massage, right? Heal well, be well, blah blah blah. Wellness clinic. It, it, you look at it and what stands out about any yeah. of those?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. It, you know, and uh, the the big the big problem is that you know you go to massage therapy school, whether it's in the states or in Canada, whatever the case is. And if if the the business section of the massage therapy course is garbage, if there even is one, I mean, in Canada there has to be one. it's all it's built into the <laughs> curriculum, but it's pure shit. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna lie, yeah. I'm kind of happy. It's pure shit because I've got a I've got a course that I teach on it, but but you know I'm 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 like you I want everyone to fucking succeed right, and I'm here to help you yep. give give you the tools or or help you out with the tools or find the tools like put people in touch with with uh, with people like you to, so you can get the information so you can fucking succeed at this
1: one hundred percent man like it, they need it and you know the funny thing about it not being standard in the schools is. That's the other thing though, it, it, you hear people all the time, they blame the schools and it's like, I, I have this thing I talk about called the loser ladder. Have I ever told you about, that? Don't you heard about this? Don't tell me All right, man. So there's, there's a loser ladder. There's three rungs. And as you step down this loser ladder down to loserdom, <laughs> this is the surefire way to end up as a loser in this industry or any industry. The first rung is justified. Mm-hmm. The second one is blaming and then the third one is complaining right so it starts off by justifying uh you look at the oh well we got a really good economy right now uh, i'm doing okay i don't need to learn how to run facebook right. ads or rebook then what happens Shit starts going bad for whatever reason clients go on vacation you're not getting as many new clients turns out you're not retaining as many clients as you thought next thing you know you have three slow weeks in a row and you start thinking oh my god So what do you do? First instinct for most people, start blaming. They start looking for things to blame. Oh my God, it's the economy. It's, you know, our local area has just been hit really, really bad lately. People can't afford it, right? Or they blame Trump or whatever, (laughs) right? Then the next thing you go down, what do they do? They complain about it. They sit there, they go to their friends, they go to their family, they go to their colleagues, they go onto the massage forums. Oh my God, things are so slow. Woe is me, yada, yada, yada. And next thing you know, when you complain, who do you generally attract into your <laughs> life? People who complain, right? And They're just waiting for their chance to spit out all for their right. Sure. Yep. right? And you sit there and you trade stories that, that nobody benefits from, right? So that's the loser ladder, man. That's the, the surefire way to loserdom. Now, the biggest complaint that I hear on the forums is that massage school didn't prepare me to succeed in business. And here's the thing. Honestly, if you go to if you go to become a medical doctor, guess what you get out of that? You get an MD after your name, right? That means you can either go get a job at a hospital, you can start your own clinic, but guess what? The hospital is going to pay you less than you owning your own clinic. Same thing as us. You go to massage you start your own yep. business, right? Okay, well, guess what? Med school doesn't teach them how to run a damn clinic. It doesn't teach them how to succeed in business and do marketing and do sales and do rebooking and every, all that. They don't teach that. Dentistry school does not teach that. Hair school does not teach that. People need to understand that these are trade schools, that you are there to learn a trade, not learn how to succeed. Success should be taught by your peers and your parents and your idols. See what I'm saying? Like a school is there. If we start incorporating more and more Uh, uh, needs into the school that's going to add to the hours you add to the hours guess what you got to do you got to raise the price because it takes more resources takes more time so what happens now the barrier to entry is higher where massage school maybe was only 10 grand now it's 20 grand so less and less people can get into the field and then you start running into problems of there not being enough people to fill the jobs You also run into the problem of basically the industry needs to sustain itself, right? So the memberships uh, like the AMTA, all the organizations, they all suffer because they don't have as many members.
0: Absolutely. 100% agree. Take some fucking responsibility.
1: Right. We can't blame everything on the schools because then we're into that whole blaming, complaining. We're down there at the loser ladder. If we turn the blame inward and understand, wait a second. This is my responsibility. I've got to do this because nobody's going to do this for me. Yeah, my education in, in massage school wasn't good in business, but guess what? I've been reading sales and books on influence and persuasion since I was 16 years old. I did that. I took that upon myself, and that's the only reason I succeeded is because I, I filled my head full of that information, and it put me on the right track to actually succeed in in any business. Man, I got to get you up here. Seriously, <laughs> I got to get you
0: up here. I'm I'm one day I'm gonna put together a conference, sir, and I'm gonna get you in on in this. Dude, I'm Spe- in,
1: man. Speaking I'm of conferences,
0: in. you were telling me earlier. Keynote speaker. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: The uh, the FSMTA, I'm going down to Florida in June. uh, They reached out and asked me to be the keynote speaker down there. So um, I'm honestly a little bit blown away because the way she was like talking about me and I don't know, it's just kind of weird because it's like, I'm j I'm just some dude who makes Facebook videos. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, wait a second, like I'm just I just share like what I've already done and like what I think people need to do that'll help them. Like that's I don't know. I always looked at like a keynote speaker type thing as like your Eric Daltons or your you know, people that are actually like getting into the actual science of things that are actually you know, coming up like Ida Rolf type right. stuff. You know what I mean. I always looked at like that would be like your keynote speakers is the people who are are uh, changing the industry. But I guess you know my intention always was to change the industry. Like that's my goal, but to change it in a way to where we're more self sustainable, to where we we don't need to take a job at Massage Envy or or work for some chiropractor who thinks they're mm-hmm. above us. My goal was always to change the industry. It just it wasn't through techniques. My techniques are boring, bro. Like someone asked me to do a techniques demo, I'm like, you wouldn't. It. <laughs> like, it's so boring. Like it's yeah, yeah, but I don't. But no, I'm honored. And so yeah, I'll be down in Florida in uh, I think it's nice. late June. Well,
0: yeah, the Florida State Orlando. Massage Therapy
1: Association. You know they they think something of you. So they're they're doing really well, actually. Like it's funny because I think they've got members that aren't even in Florida. Just to, to want to support them because of the stuff that they're doing. I know they're really mm-hmm. – you'd probably really get along with the lady I spoke to, uh, Rebecca, who basically – she was talking about You know, the reason that she wanted to bring me in because she wants to actually change the direction the industry is headed. And as far as like challenging the old norms and and, and in short, I guess she was kind of referring to breaking oh, the rules. So I mean it's really right up our alley. Definitely, definitely. Yeah man I'll come up to Canada anytime dude that will be awesome Right
0: on brother Well this has been great man thanks thanks for hanging out thanks for doing this Facebook live greatly appreciate it It's been a, it's been a hard time to get you in you're a busy man and I appreciate your time
1: Yeah awesome man I really appreciate the invite dude I had a lot of fun um yeah I'm definitely down to come back anytime, dude. This cool, cool.
0: So before we uh, before we run off on this, give everyone your contact info and how they can reach you and all the different stuff that you're doing.
1: Well, the website is mtsuccessacademy.com, and it's actually a really bad website, so I probably shouldn't hear <laughs> that. Really, all I do <laughs> – I use that mainly just to host my courses, and it's a place where people can actually – like. Make the transaction and buy the courses, but really the best thing I would say would just be follow me on Facebook, and that's just at Massage Therapy Success Academy, and that's where I do all my videos. I've got, like I said, I got we got this success group called uh, Massage Therapist Success Strategies and Inspiration. If you're a massage therapist, you could definitely join up on that group. Just do a search in Facebook for that, and you can you can join. But uh, that that group's fully devoted to. The business side is fully devoted to like how to grow your clientele, how to maintain your clientele, bookkeeping questions, making videos for your business, advertising strategies, just all that kind of stuff um, to help, you know, boost your income, really. So, yeah, really, Facebook's the the biggest place for me, I would say. Right on. Right on, Godfather of rebooking. I'm gonna keep saying it, man. <laughs> you know what I need to do, dude? Now that you, it's funny because when you said that, it just gave me an idea. I need to make like a picture where it's like you remember the the Godfather movie where he's like yep. in black and white and he's in a yep. suit or whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a picture like that. It's me, and it's gonna say every book, and I have Right to do that on. <laughs> it's gonna be so cheesy. Oh, that's dude. all right.
0: That's all right. I love what you do, man. Giving out constant <laughs> value all the time. It's perfect. I love it, brother. Thanks for coming on. Awesome, man. Thanks so much, dude. I all appreciate right. it. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. I'm Mark, hanging out with Scott this afternoon. Peace.